Alrighty. G'day guys and welcome to episode 003 of the Bradley J Driver Experience. I'm your host Bradley Driver. As always you can call me Brad and today I'm here with a very good friend of mine, a guy that I've been super keen to have on the show. His creative vision, um, which you'll see through his company South of Home Creative or Soho Creative as you may know it, as a videographer, as an editor within the media space has taken off within Australia's hip hop culture scene, working with yeah. artists like <laughs> Chillin' It, Horror Show Crew. Um, and we're gonna talk a lot about that today, but also we're gonna touch on, we'll probably actually go in deep on your experience in your dad's homeland of Ghana last year. Mm -hmm. um, you spent five weeks there and I wanna hear all about it. It sounds like a really big experience, but ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Plum, how are you brother? Ooh. Good man, good. I appreciate um, you being here. I was interested to see how that intro would come out. <laughs> Did you like it? Oh, you killed it. Um, yeah, I've never really been introed before, so I thought, let's see what Brad thinks of me in a in a public space. So yeah, a hundred percent, man. It's funny because a lot of people said to me, um, I've been pretty active on social, and if you can hear a little bit of um, pottering around, the executive assistant Hunter's here with his tennis ball trying to get us to play. Um, <laughs> But a lot of people asked me across social the last week um, why I was really interested to have you on the show. They've asked me about all the guests and what each guest meant and what we're going to discuss. And obviously, <laughs> I think um, Joe and I, we've known each other for a fair few years now. Yeah, I think, um, I think like over the last probably three, three or so years, professionally started um, with the videography. But before that, we knew of each other. Um, yeah, friend circles are kind of mixed. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's been a decent five plus years. I think I've yeah. known you, but um, over the last yeah, good three years, I think our relationship's really grown and changed from definitely professional only to kind of. I feel like more often than not, when we catch up now, it's ten percent chatting about video and work. Yeah, and ninety percent chatting about life and other. A hundred percent. And that's what I said to a lot of people. I think. Everyone that I try to hang around, I'm really big on trying to hang around people that I come out of each conversation or each catch up mentally better for it. Mm. Um, and I think that's something, especially in the last couple of months, you and I have We've sort of gone in deep on some good chats. Yeah. And, um, it's cool, man. It's cool to be surrounded by those sort of people. That's why I love this though, because I feel like, like you said, we, we get so much out of the chats that we have you always, almost wish that you could have a record button and, and like reflect on what we chatted about. 100%. So to sit down now, hopefully have some gems for each other, but yeah, to have it on record um, as opposed to just a walk and talk and think, yeah, oh, that was a good chat. And then only get bits and pieces of it because yeah. I'm sure we we um, we um offer each other a lot when we, we chat, but who knows how much we miss. There's probably like a small, small couple of things we take away. Oh, that was a good chat with Brad. And then 80% of it's lost because yeah. we didn't get to capture it, so to speak. So, yeah. So, I'm, you guys I'm happy get to be to capture here, this and hopefully run up the runs on <laughs> YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Um, but today I tried to out vintage you. Mate, I've got my vintage shirt underneath. Don't make me get it out. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I'm going to wear the old school Adidas jumper. This has been in the family for like 20 years. Love it. Love and it. I was like, fuck, I'll out vintage him today. But I'm interested, man. The first, the first time I can ever remember seeing you was I think I was I was probably 13 14 years old Gee, maybe back. maybe even younger this is before we knew each other right I've got a photogenic memory right when did you see me mate so <laughs> we're at West Illawarra and okay. I'd been nominated for a an award it was Shit, like yeah. a a prince like the principal of my school had nominated me on like a an award it was like an overcoming of the odds sort of thing um, yep. for sporting and um, just like I guess life achievement mm -hmm. um and i remember watching you win an award for sports um through your hockey stuff yeah. and that like, was the first time i remember actually and then like years later being connected through mates and that coming back into my brain it's yeah. the way that it works no no i do remember that now actually um so it's going back a long time shit, yeah that's we were young man we, young. we were really young that's when i was in my um i'm gonna play hockey for australia days and that's yeah. when i was like at 13 you're, you're so passionate about whatever it is you're doing. And my thing was hockey. Um, so, yeah, I was I was switched on yeah. and ready to play competitive representative hockey for the rest of yeah. my life. Um, and, yeah, I think that was an awards night 
um, yeah, of well, some yeah. sort. And you were there getting your, your leadership award and I was there for running around with a hockey stick and ball. So Yeah, it's funny how <laughs> times yeah. change, hey. Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, so we've known each other for... Definitely. For ages. Yeah. But tell me, so for a lot of people, like I've heard a bit of your story and I've known you and sort of seen you in different phases of life um, mm-hmm. for both of us growing up. Um, we're a couple of years apart. How old are you now? I'm 25. 25, 25, so you've yeah. got, you're 26 this year? 26 this year. Yeah, so yeah. you got two years on me. Yeah. Um, and I've sort of seen your journey um, from afar and, and recently more closely. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell the people, like, where did, obviously, what you do now, how did that all become? Where did you first find your passion for being behind the camera? Um, well, it's been a bit of a, it's been of a, a, like a non-traditional start for me into film and the video space. Um, I'm not sure, maybe locally some people would have known of a little clothing label that I managed with two buddies of mine called Weekend Apparel. Um, So we had that for about three or four years and purely just to cost save um, small business, young guys with not much money, I decided that um, I'd pick up a camera and and organise our social media, um, our e-com and all of our photography kind of elements. Um, So mucking around with the camera with no clue what I was doing. Um, YouTube as kind of my only source of information. Um, yeah, realized that I really liked taking photos, delved a little bit into the video space, soon found out that I liked doing that more. Um, yeah. And I guess I had a little bit of a, a knack for the editing. Um, so yeah, I started to commission little bits of work in there outside of the stuff I was doing for the clothing label. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I got to a, a bit of a crossroads. This was me towards the back end of my university degree. So I've got a background in marketing. Um, I studied commerce, majoring in marketing and PR. Yeah. Um, finishing towards the back end of that degree, I was lucky enough to go into a graduate marketing position, kind of a, a big boy job with suit and tie, nine to five type deal, whilst I was hustling the clothing yeah. label on the side. Um, and got to that cliche fork in the road where I wasn't super fulfilled in the role. Um, I guess the type of work was great, the environment was great, but I just wasn't satisfied with what I was doing at the um, the corporate gig that I had. Yeah. But I loved and knew that my passion for photography and videography at the time um, was much stronger than what I was doing and getting money for. Yeah. So I just took that leap and said, hey, let's try and make this hobby um, and passion of mine um, a full-time gig. Yeah. And I was young and dumb and confident enough to quit my job um, with little to no, I guess, experience um, or financial backing and just confident enough that if I put the time and energy that I was putting into my full-time role, yeah. if I put that time and energy into the, the video work, yeah. that it would pay off and it'd have to. And kind of my back, my, my um, fallback was I, I must have been maybe... 21 at the time um, was that even if I fall flat on my ass um, and I give it my all for the next three, four years and I make ends meet but it just doesn't work out four or five years even um, yeah. I'm still young enough to, to sort my shit out and figure it out from there I think that's the key yeah. right like doing this sort of shit and like testing and tasting new experiences while you're young because mm. we talk, we spoke about it recently and it's like when you don't have a family yet or a big mortgage to pay or real life stress yet that's the time to do it mm. like it's not to say that you should never like you should get to 50 and to say fuck i'm stuck mm-hmm. but like i think you pick the perfect time to do it i'm interested to know like when you're when you're sitting there in that corporate secure position mm. what's the fear like were you were you scared moving out of that and into that space as excited and passionate as you are about it mm-hmm. was there an element of fear like what happens if this well, goes wrong not to not to big myself up or i think it might have just come out down to naivety to be honest naivety yeah. on how difficult venturing out on my own um would be and has been um but i was lucky enough to be supported um by a really awesome person in my partner at the time um so i kind of I don't know, I was just confident in that if I applied myself to it, yeah. that it'd, it'd have to pay off. I just, I guess I was a strong believer in like the energy that you put into something, it has to pay dividends. 100%. And if it's, if it's authentic um, and 
even sometimes if you're not that great at it, <laughs> if you stick at something long enough, yeah. it, um, in my experience, I guess maybe with a sporting background, knowing that if you put work into your training, you mm. get better at performing. So I knew yeah. that if I put the time and energy into learning the craft, um, I practiced trial and error um, and put myself out there, reaching out to people, um, almost, yeah, not really cold calling, but just reaching out to people and saying, hey, let me shoot video for yeah. you, knowing that the wheels would start to turn and that 40-hour week that I was doing in an office, if I did that 40 hours and put that back into myself and the business that I was trying to create, yeah. that I kind of was just, yeah, confident that it it had do enough to make me comfortable in the lifestyle I was leaving, leading. Yeah. I wasn't leading a lavish lifestyle. I didn't need heaps of money. Yeah. I basically was prepared to be eating migraine noodles seven days a week, not going out and socializing um, and making every sac- sacrifice necessary yeah. to sustain my happiness. Because when I was in the corporate gig, I just wasn't that happy. So I knew yeah. that whilst it might have seemed that the, the prospect of quitting a secure job might have seemed scary... I knew that my quality of life and my happiness was ultimately the baseline for me making that decision. Um, I think that's, you said it there, like I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. People are scared to sacrifice the lavish lifestyle and because of that they sacrifice their happiness mm -hmm. as opposed to being the other way around. Like I feel like a lot of the times the lifestyle people live and what they do outside of work is trying to almost mask what's happening 90, 95% of their week mm. at work, where yeah. like it should be the opposite way around. I feel like that should, your lifestyle outside of what you do for, for a living should just supplement and be like the byproduct of the happiness that you have 90% of the week. Yeah, That's where a lot of people get it wrong. Well, yeah, no, I agree with you, man. It, um, and it's, I think it's this classic trap that we get sold. Um, and it's, I, th I think the, the tides are definitely starting to turn with the climate we're in now, with people realising the opportunity that we have definitely. and the ability to make money by being self-employed in whatever industry it is or um, all of these new types of roles that didn't probably exist for our parents. Um, and maybe when we were younger, we just didn't have the, I guess, exposure to it. But it almost doesn't make sense to not at least have a crack at the thing that is going to make you happy try and make it financially viable for you to pursue um at least have a go at that yeah like definitely because ultimately what we we work the job so that we can have the money to do the things that make us happy yeah so if the job's making us unhappy ultimately and that's feeding into the stuff that's actually making us happy if the job's negativity is not supplementing that happiness it's taking away from your ability to travel or do hobbies or have family yeah. time then ultimately what's the job what's it serving then it's only taking away from what it's supposed to be doing which is yeah. making us happy by giving us money to do cool things and that's when financially it's never enough because mm. you're constantly chasing more money for more freedom mm. because you're so trapped right mm -hmm. like monday to friday and that's the thing where i feel like people consistently where, where I love is what you've done is like you've you've created your passion every day mm -hmm. that money is then the byproduct of that mm -hmm. and like for you like you said yeah of course we all want to earn <clears throat> more money because money allows us to do things that give us happiness and freedom um, you can't be naive about that but I think where you're unhappy in majority of your life mm -hmm. there'll never be enough money you can never make enough because you can't, you're always looking for the escape, mm -hmm. the way out, as opposed to being happy in the grind of it. For sure. So, so tell me, so as, as a company, you started South of Home Creative, yep. or Soho Creative, which I'll refer to it as from here on out. Hopefully yeah, probably, you get the probably, hint. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably better known yeah. as Soho Creative. Definitely. Um, where did it first like, so you start doing these little projects and these little commissions, and where did it really take off? What was that project where it then sort of started to spiral into you not hunting for that business as much, but rather those inquiries coming in. And was there one piece or was it multiple pieces? Or um, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I don't think there was a... And still like relatively young in the, the life cycle of a business, three, 
three years operating securely as, okay, this is what Soho is, this is the direction I'm taking it. And whilst that fluctuates, having Soho as this umbrella of a production operation in film, yeah. um, the first few years was a little bit wishy-washy about what I wanted to do with it. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of, it was a feeling out process where a lot of people might not know this, but it started off having a background in clothing. I wanted to have Soho um, just as a, I guess, a venture for local creatives to collaborate with me, having my canvas as clothing, and then collaborating with artists, writers, um, painters, etc. Yeah. So the way that I looked at making money was having kind of a, a holistic approach to just creative outlets that I could sell off. So, for example, I looked at um, getting a bunch of blank canvases of clothing, so denim yeah. jackets or t-shirts reaching out to local guys who might have had a following in their space, whether it be graffiti or graphic design or whatever, yeah. putting the two pieces together and then selling them. Yeah. Um, whilst I also wanted to dabble with photography and video, yeah. that'd be other ways that I'd be able to make money with it. Yeah. Um, but I quickly realized using, I guess, some of the knowledge from my marketing degree is that if I was trying to do everything and market yeah. to everyone, I'd kind of end up marketing to no one. So I needed to um, narrow down um, exactly what what it was I wanted Soho to be. And that's where I guess I prioritized the video space and, and realized that video is what I love doing most and editing is where I got to show my own creative flair. Yeah. Um, and I guess I was getting more attention for that aspect of the creative things that I was doing. Okay, let's just double down on that. Um, but the projects started from i think my first couple of projects um i might have outside of the the clothing label which were obviously for free i was doing to help the business i might have done my first couple for a hundred bucks yeah so with my i guess it was just uh, came down to like my self-worth and not knowing what the industry charged not knowing what i was really capable of confident yeah. that i was good at it but not really knowing what i can ask people to chuck at me in yeah. terms of money um so the first few projects were were little to no money at all with a lot of energetic output and me spending way too much time on these projects to try and make it the best i possibly can but that was all just i guess learning feeling out um how how i wanted to do music videos for example the first few projects were music videos um but i guess yeah it just kind of grew there wasn't one pivotal project which was like here's my break here's yeah. the thing that's going to get like my yeah, get my mean. so the is going to be out there now because it's attached to this artist i think that's also yeah. important like too from a business i think a lot of people have this thing in their head that it's like there's this one sale as a real estate agent or this mm -hmm. one piece of work as an artist or this one track um as a singer who's trying to rise up the ranks within the country that blows everything up and sometimes mm. it happens but i think it's it's more so the product of consistency yeah um where people start to believe like i know for me personally in my space um the first so the first project we worked on actually how we started um and i don't want to talk too much about real estate video because it's not as exciting as some <laughs> of the stuff you're doing but i was sitting in melbourne working there at the time and i'd made the decision to come home and I'd been on the phone organising to come back and into a role um, as an agent again here. And literally before I'd even <laughs> organised to go back into an agency, um, I was sitting there and I was planning basically how I was going to come back and be like the... like The return of the Mac. Just like the return <laughs> of like... Just, just like the introduction of just an authentic mm -hmm. like agent who was just being himself. There was no almost strip back the professionalism in the look um, in everything and just being me mm. and how I was gonna show that to the world. And I was sitting there and I was like, well, video is so powerful now. Um, and we'd been doing a little bit of video stuff or quite a bit of video stuff in Melbourne. And I was like, I wanna put my own spin on it, like my fresh take. And I remember we'd been in contact a little bit over IG and I'd been watching what you're doing. Who slid into whose DMs? I slid into your DMs, I reckon, surely. <laughs> I don't know, I surely. might slide into some DMs. Because I was sitting there and I was thinking, how can I 
like how can I really shake up the video that's been done? Mm. Real estate video was really stagnant. Like there was no real excitement. It was almost like I think most people at the time were doing almost like videos that look like a slideshow presentation you put together on PowerPoint. Right. Um, it just felt like photos just shuffling through. Yeah. And when someone really tried to do a video, it was just boring. Okay. And I was someone who was really interested in property and couldn't even engage. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, that needs to change. So I remember <coughs> I'd watched one of your music videos and I was like, this is edgy as fuck. Like, I love this. <laughs> and then I'd watch like a week later or something, you'd done a wedding. Right. And it was like, I remember watching this wedding and it was like, I felt like I was there. Like, I was like, I felt like I was along for the journey of this day. And I was like, there's some sort of beautiful combination where you take that ability to showcase a journey or like to slow down the moments that are going to mean something to somebody for that special time of their life. Mm -hmm. And that edgy ability to capture someone who isn't really interested in the space. Like I'm no, like I'm no fucking like guy to sit down and watch a hundred hip hop video clips a day. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like I enjoy the music, but like I wouldn't technically sit there and watch that all day. But I found myself so engaged in your stuff that I was scrolling your feed looking for more. And I'm like, if we like somehow combine the edgy edit um, and a bit we of character the with the journey, yep. like we've got a fucking property video here that could shake things up. Okay. And that's when I flicked you a message. And I think we caught up the week that I'd come back to organize my work stuff mm. and I was speaking to people and we started to plan. And it was the first, yeah, I remember the that first house that I listed was actually the house that I was living in. So my family house. Mm -hmm. And we shot the video and we'd done a collaboration with um, BMW at the time and um, it come together and I still remember releasing it and we had such a good response. Yeah. And I knew we were onto something because it felt real as well. Like it felt like a style that we created and we, I guess since then have refined, added, subtracted, changed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've found like a really good mix where it's easy to work together now. We kind of know what we're both thinking. Um, but I love the way that that has influenced the space because I've seen a whole lot more videos since we started doing stuff, mm. which is cool. And, and people ask me all the time, like, oh, do you get frustrated that more people are doing video now? That's, it's the nature that's of the just beast. the nature of the beast, yeah. right? Like, I think people it, are going to see something. Like, there's definitely videos that have inspired me or like, mm -hmm. you know, I was inspired by your work before and wanted to play a take on that with my own spin. Much like a lot of my work's been inspired by other things, like... I think, yeah, that's the nature of the beast, especially with the prevalence of video now and yeah. the way that, I guess, visually people are engaging a lot more than they might be um, reading a blog or getting yeah. delivered an email through a database. Yeah. Um, so email advertising, traditional media has really, as we all know, kind of shifted towards the social digital space. And yeah. with that, videos kind of skyrocketed to probably one of the top mediums. Yeah. So you recognize that. Um, I recognize that, I think, by luck, in that I started to really dig video and the video started to become a thing that a lot of businesses, um, whether it's real estate, music video, um, social media, fashion, weddings, um, a lot of people wanted that type of content. Um, and I was just in the right, right place at the right time, doing yeah. things kind of with my own little spin on them. Um, yeah. And yeah, I actually remember that, that first meeting, that was um, when you came back, how pumped up you were to, to start engaging with video yeah. in a different way. Um, and naturally with me having no experience in real estate videos, I guess it was probably a, a, um, a, it was an advantage of ours that I was coming at it with fresh eyes. I didn't really know how real 100%. estate videos were done. I'm not in the market for buying a house. So for me coming at it without really knowing how things were done previously, it was yeah. an opportunity for both of us to kind of be like, hey, let's just make some cool shit um, within the confines of what we need to say and do. As yeah. in, here's a house. Here's how you buy it. Yeah. Here's who you buy it off. And here's um, why you should buy it. But yeah. But yeah, let's just, let's just make some, some groovy shit. And, and yeah, I guess we've got some really cool feedback from it. Um, and we've, it's probably been a couple of years now that we've been shooting real estate videos. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, one of those things where... It's, um, it's really flowed over from you putting the music videos and maybe weddings that I've done amalgamated them into how can we do this for real estate? Yeah. That's pretty cool. You're pretty, you're pretty creative, Brad. 
to think of that yourself. Oh, so. oh see, I love that side of the business. Though. Like no, for me, news. that's where I I really enjoy being yep. creative. But so we spoke about a little bit the other day. I asked you, like, if you had to pick three projects that you've done mm-hmm. um, as your as your top three so far, like that have allowed you to be creative, that you've really loved the end product, and you feel like is something you continue to look back on for inspiration. Yep. What would those three projects be? Um, whilst I, I kind of, my whole mantra and weirdly enough, it was, it was a little logo that we put on one of our t-shirts that we, um, released back when I was doing the clothing. Um, it was all that is real will prosper. That's what we slapped across this t-shirt. So the, the saying all that is real will prosper. So my whole mantra is kind of to put my heart and soul into any project that I do. And if it's authentic and genuine and it's real, and it'll do well and it'll be received yeah. well eventually, maybe not right away. Um, so it's hard to, because I kind of try to give as much as I can, as yeah. much of myself creatively um, and energetically to each project. Yeah. It's almost like a disjustice to say, oh, I like that project better than that one. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I kind of, I hope that I give my best for all of them and yeah. I love all of them. That's why it's such a kind of a nerve wracking experience. Even with you, now as comfortable as we are and, and as much as I'm confident that you like what I'm doing with the videos, yeah. every time I click that send email, knowing that I've done everything I can for the video yeah. and for it to be out there now for the feedback yeah. of the client to potentially not like it, yeah. it's, um, it's kind of a scary thought. So ones that probably off the top of my head, which I can be like, that was uniquely fun in its own right or that one... I've kind of seen myself going back to and be like, oh man, we did that. That was cool. Would probably be a clip we shot last year with a hip hop artist that's doing some big things now called Chillin' It. Yeah. Um, a clip called Freedom. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun because I got to um, experiment with a bit of a higher budget and also we got to introduce some aspects which probably weren't possible for other clips that I'd shot. For yeah. example, we had Chill in... Um, full cinematic makeup um so special effects makeup i guess you call it he was dressed up as an old man um, Such a good video. so we had prosthetics and we had the styling and and so that was a lot of fun so i find myself i guess referencing that one as a really cool clip that maybe i could steer people towards that got yeah. to showcase a new type of style that i was um kind of playing with and a fun clip that i think a lot of people could yeah. relate or enjoy um and that's sort so, yeah, of chilling him, at freedom would probably be that's sort one of like of that story there is like him being old in a nursing home and going out to do the things he would have done when he was young mm-hmm. right yeah yeah it's so, funny yeah, because i still remember being in actually in this building right here so where we shoot this is the building that i live in now when we're doing final inspections here because our agency sold some of these or all of these i was in an apartment doing a final inspection and there was still a couple of guys finishing up some work here oh, yeah, and they had a radio it. on and um, over the radio, I think it was Triple J or something like that, um, Freedom come on and as soon as I heard like that bit at the start, it's like dun, 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 dun. Yeah. the first thing that popped in my head is him in the wheelchair strolling along yeah. like in the makeup and I'm like, fuck, it's funny how when you watch something like that and it's in your brain and you enjoy the creativity of it, mm. how hearing just those first few chords or notes on a piano mm-hmm. like triggered that in my brain i'm like that's fucking great video work like well, i think i sent you a video of the song like a sound clip yeah, yeah. on text but um that for me is probably the one that i like when people ask me who does your video yeah i don't even send them a real estate video sometimes i send them something like that yeah right because i think it showcases your work and it's one where like i feel like you really got to be super creative and had the freedom because a lot of your work is having... Excuse the pun. Exactly. Because a lot of your work is having the budget, right? Uh, it is, yeah. Um, I guess for much of the first few years of me working, it's probably um, you have to, I guess, dip into your own pocket or you have to do things that you might not be getting paid for yeah. for the sake of the project itself. Yeah. Um, and that's something I'm becoming increasingly comfortable with and to the point where like, I'm happy to, to work with anyone on any project if it makes sense to me and it yeah. gets me gets me fired up yeah so i don't need to i don't need to have a budget like we might have had for chilling it um 
in saying that I would like to be paid for the work that I do. But, As anyone would. Yeah, but I'm just around making quality content that inspires me, yeah. nourishes me professionally, but also Definitely. personally something that I'm happy to spend three weeks editing on. Yeah. A week of pre-production, shooting for a couple of days, and then editing for a week or two. Yeah. Like That's a lot of time out of my life, and without trying to replicate the same issues I had with the corporate gig, which was I was unhappy spending that time doing that type of work, Yeah. then I wouldn't want to recreate those same issues in the work that I'm doing now. And so the way that I the way that I look at not replicating those issues is by just saying yes to the stuff that I want to do and that I'm yeah. excited for, kind of irregardless of budget or how, how blown the artist is or yeah. all of these other kind of nonsense metrics that people might say, this is why I'll take on a project. Yeah. If it makes sense to me and I'm going to fucking enjoy doing it, yeah. then I'm open to hearing about it and, and jumping in. That's so that's right. kind of... Yeah, it's kind of like budgets are a big thing, and if a really cool project comes along with a with a big budget, then yeah. better. But I'm working on projects now which um, have little to no budget, and I'm doing my best to make them the best that I can because I believe in the project and yeah. I enjoy the the message that I'm trying to tell through film. So that's kind of my my whole thing moving forward. If it makes me happy to do, then do it. Not yeah. just professionally, but in life. Yeah. If it makes me happy to do, just do it. Because if it's making me unhappy, within reason, of course, um, if it's making me unhappy, then what's, what's it really adding to my life? What's it serving me? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, without getting too hippie, too quick on you. But, yeah, yeah that's kind of how I'm trying to move and navigate through this crazy world at the moment. Is, it's funny you said that because yeah. the other day we had a real, we had a real in-depth chat and remember we were saying, like, fuck, so many people wouldn't be in the headspace to receive this. And we're like, fuck, imagine if we were on the podcast and we watched the video back. <laughs> Let's and go there. Let's go deep. <laughs> telepathically fucking bouncing ideas back and forth and you guys got no idea what's happening. But yeah. um, one thing I'm interested to hear, and I haven't asked you this yet, mm-hmm. is moving forward for the company and mm-hmm. for you creatively, is there a style of project you haven't done yet that you'd really like to have a crack at? Well, yeah, I... Um I've started to introduce over the last, I guess, six to eight months, my style of editing has changed and I guess people who might look back through my work might get a sense of where I started, which was high graphic, high animation, um, really intense type of edits that would capture the eye, that would speak to the short attention span of us millennials um, and really draw people in really quickly and kind of, whoa, sensory overload, blow your mind and leave you thinking, shit, that was a really cool clip. But now I'm trying to tell, will firstly be a better cinematographer um, and tell story a lot better. So removing the smoke and mirrors of maybe transitions and effects and animation, etc. But people being like, wow, that image is composed beautifully and that story was told really, really artistically. Um, So that has kind of pushed me in the direction of um, kind of like dealing with a, a more narrative-based pieces. So yeah. in music videos, steering clear of the high-intensity animation, but trying to tell a story um, and, and portray a message. So, yeah, having more of a narrative to the pieces that I'm doing. Um, and ultimately, the next genre of film that I want to do is short film. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, kind of wrestling with the ideas and the story that I want to tell, um, something that's personal to me, um, but equally something that I can kind of sink my teeth into and, and show a bit of creative flair. Um, that's what I'm kind of juggling the idea of, of moving yeah. into some short films and hopefully by That'll the end cool. of this year um, and maybe next year, that'll be the, probably the one medium which I haven't really um, yeah. Yeah, really dived into, which would be short film. Yeah. yeah. Great segue from what you just said there, but you, um, you said about something that's personal to you and means a lot to you. Um, last year, um, sort of getting away from the company stuff now and the work stuff. Um, so last year, you I remember speaking sort of earlier in the year and you told me you had plans to go back to Ghana and see your old man and spend a few weeks there. Mm-hmm. Um, we caught up, and I know you don't, I think you social media detox that, didn't you? Like, yeah, I unplugged. You just went, yeah, yeah unplugged and, and yeah. really got, I guess. I guess got in there and had like a real experience away from it being something you wanted to show off on social or mm. um, just look good over a photo or a few videos. 
which is hard when you do your style of work. Mm. Um, I know it's hard for me to sort of do that sometimes. Um, but talk to us about that experience, what happened there. Um, obviously, going back to see family and it's a lot about that. But I feel like you come back and I feel like ever since you come back and we've both gone through sort of stages and things lately that have made our mindsets readjust, I feel like you come back with a really different mindset. Mm. Not that it was bad before, but I feel like sort of now, like you just you're more geared to understanding yourself and understanding how you can better yourself mm. through every every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to hear about that experience. Um, so that was that was a big one for me. That was a huge, a huge, huge personal kind of trip and journey for me um, for a couple of reasons. So I guess my family dynamic um, growing up was I was brought up by um, a single mum and two sisters. So I'm, I'm the yeah. middle of... of three um so not really brought up with my dad around and the last few i guess probably yeah five five or so years um our relationship has kind of been ignited and and trying to explore that relationship with him um but for the longest time i've i've known how integral it is for me to go to ghana and explore that part of my heritage yeah um so born and bred in Australia, um, but quite obviously with something else in me, um, being African, um, I knew I was confident and comfortable and knew so much about that part of me being my Australian side. Yeah. Um, and whilst I used to like to say like I'm I'm a black guy or I'm I'm African Australian, yeah. I really didn't, without I guess the upbringing from that side. Um, didn't really get to explore my Africanism as much as I would have liked to. And it was just this yeah. yearning that I'd had for, I think, since I was could consciously think about being black and white at the same time. Um, yeah, I had this, this yearning to go and explore that. Um, and I got serious about heading to Ghana for the first time, um, which for those who don't know geographically, that's on the west coast of Africa. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to go to Ghana um, and explore my Africanism and and um, yeah, see what all that's about. Um, yeah. And I got serious about it at probably around the, the age 19, 20. I told myself, like, I'm going this year. This year I'm going to go. But then I got a girlfriend. And then I was at uni. And then I started a business. And then life just kind of gave me little ways out to not hold that promise to myself in that yeah. I would go to Ghana that year. And... um. I think that's been a blessing to go to Ghana for the first time at 25, as opposed to when I was 19, 20 and first made that conscious decision that this is the year. Yeah. Um, I think it's a blessing that I did at 25. The headspace I was in, um, it just made sense. I was just more ready more to do prepared, it. More mentally prepared, right? Yeah, more mentally prepared and just more, I had the tools to be able to take more from the experience. Yeah. Where at 19, I might have gone and be like, wow, I'm in Africa and taken photos and, and, maybe surface level experience in the country. Um, I really made an effort when I went recently um, to, yeah, to, to have an authentic, true experience where I could learn from the culture, um, learn about myself, but at the same time, explore my relationship with my father, um, who I spent six weeks with yeah. in Ghana, um, which was big alone. So it's kind of yeah. the amalgamation of two huge things. Catching up, and exploring my relationship with my dad, which I haven't really had. Yeah. And at the same time, exploring my African heritage, which I knew very little about. Um, yeah. So that trip was huge culturally, personally. Um, as we touched on before, I, I unplugged from social media, which shouldn't yeah. be such a crazy concept, but, but it, seems to be it kind of that. is nowadays. Yeah. To spend six weeks, um, yeah, just detached myself from the world that I lead here, yeah. um, be it friends and family. Um, yeah, I kind of removed myself and all contact that I might have had that might have drawn me back into the comfort of Joe in Australia in Wollongong yeah. and forced me to yeah, really be outside of the little bubble that I live in here yeah. um, in a new world with new people um, and just try and get as much from it as I could. So tell me, so, like, yeah. significantly your family has some significance in in that area you were in, right? So 
you've got obligations now. I want to hear about this. Like, this interests the hell out of me. Yeah, so... Because it's, it's not like, it's not a thing here. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think what you're touching on is my auntie um, is actually a king of the village that we're from. Yeah. So... So to me, that's crazy. Wow, nearly knocked my yeah. thing off. Um, <laughs> like, to me, that's like... It is, it's, it's a wild concept. It's not, it's not a thing here, so yeah, I don't understand no. it. So explain to me and to everyone. So what does that mean there? What's her role well, within that village? Yeah, so without butchering the, I guess, the culture um, and without maybe making false statements or claims my understanding of it yeah um which is limited because i've only been there once and i've only spent so amount so much amount of time with them yeah um is that through process and ceremony and ritual um when a king passes away within an african village um the the tribe that we're from is um the fanti tribe yeah so when a king passes away within our tribal culture processes happen to elect a new king which would be your natural progression being um the next born male um if they're unfit to rule then it'd be um an uncle a cousin but predominantly male um through a series of events and through ritual which included pouring libations um ancestral ceremony so speaking to the spirits of the ancestors of our village my auntie who was a woman who is a woman <laughs> um was chosen to be king about 10 years ago now and rule over um our village of Atuam. Um, so 10 years so that's like yeah so she's ruled for yeah i think 10 plus wow. years now um which in itself is very unique even within the Ghanaian culture so there's not many female kings yeah. usually queen mothers which would be like the female counterpart to the king yeah but yeah so my auntie is a king of the village that we're from um which respectively means that i'm a part of the royal family and i have um, I guess Some royal Prince blood. Harry style shit, but like yeah, more humble, so. right? Yeah, I don't know, man. It was, it was a, a big surprise to me, um, and kind of a, an obstacle that I had to address whilst I was over there, being, yeah. I guess, considered royal and having knowledge of my auntie as a king, but not really knowing what, what it's all meant. about yeah. or what it meant or the extent of her royalty. I was a little bit skeptical and kind of just like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever, like. Okay, it is what it is. King yeah. of a little village. But seeing her reception there and the way that people are bowing down to her. and Wow, and so it's actually, it's that full on. Yeah, right? so um, she gets a lot, of, a lot of respect and has a lot of authority there. Um, yeah. And respectively, I went, to, went through um, an instalment process, um, which she organized for me, which basically um, welcomed me to the village. Um, yeah. I was given a traditional title name um, and I was also given the role of leader of the youth so I was, yeah I guess I have some sort of standing now within the village that my family's from in Africa yeah. which was a very I don't know if you check out my social media you, you could see when I got back I posted um, some glimpses at the festival and the ceremony that I went through which was wild and crazy and I guess it was an honour to be a part of but yeah so my family has... So tell me, like that... Sorry to interrupt. No, you're But right. at that point where you're getting, I guess, sworn in or mm -hmm. um, introduced to that royal family mm -hmm. properly, how long had you been in Ghana for? Is this very early on in the piece, in that six weeks? So this is about, I think, probably two and a half weeks into the trip. So you had a little bit of time to sort of get to know what that meant and sort of understand Ooh, it a little bit. I wish I did, mate. I wish I did. Yeah. This was one of those things. And the reason I, I kind of had, it wasn't, I described it as an obstacle is because it was one of those things where everyone knew the significance of it and everyone knew that it was kind of happening, but it was yeah. downplayed to me a lot um, in that I think in an attempt to make it like a grand surprise, my auntie and my father and anyone else who was kind of around Oh, we're just kind of, we're going to go and we just do the ceremony. It's just kind of a welcome. Like, and it was just very downplayed. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Like I can do this. I'm, I'm all in. Let me experience this. But then once I'm being hoisted on the shoulders of ancestors, oh, sorry, elders within our village and being paraded around to, um, I guess, hundred plus, um, villages. Yeah. 
started to realize that this probably wasn't as insignificant as I might have made it out to be. Um, and so through there was a, a kind of a preparation where we had to um, go and speak with the um, elders within the village for on a few occasions. And the, the thing that made it difficult was I was sitting there um, to the left of the king in a palace, which is basically like a nice house. It's not a mansion. It's not like English castle, yeah. but they, they call it a palace. Um, so I'm sitting there and they're discussing how my installment and how the ceremony around me being, um, I guess, um, brought into the village in my capacity, how that would go about. But I'm sitting there left of the king, not knowing a word that's being said with fractions of the language I knew. And it was kind of, for the first time, I was in a position where I couldn't really communicate nor understand. And I was completely the minority. Yeah. Where it's just, yeah, like the ability to speak and hear and interpret and comprehend and then then make sense of what's going on in a situation. I'm sitting there thinking, shit, that body language seems a bit off. Why did they raise their voice there? Shit, is something wrong? And I'm just trying to, I guess, make sense of what's going on. So... Whilst I prepared, I guess I'd, I was prepared in the sense that I'd been in Africa for a couple of weeks and yeah. I was getting a sense of how people moved and shaked. I didn't have any real idea about what the ceremony meant or the extent until maybe the day before when I was like, hey guys, the fuck's going on here? Like, yeah. <laughs> when actually I've got all my traditional dress board and I've got, I had to cover up my dreadlocks and my tattoos and, and I was like, okay, like, so this is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. It's like, all right, well, wow. tell me what's going on here. So. so tell me, after after that experience, how does it change your experience from then on out? Like, was there a real shift in that last three and a half weeks in the way that you had to conduct yourself or the way that your average day in the village went or the way the sort of people you had to be around or the way they treated you? Like, what's the experience like from there on out? The way I was treated was definitely different. Um, so the interpretation for the word Nana, so N-A-N-A, is chief or king. Yeah. Um, so my auntie being the king is referred to Nana. Um, and the title that I was given was Nana Amochin II. So now I'm considered chief. I have chieftaincy. So the village has actually respected and responded to me in that way, which was very uncomfortable and unnatural for me. Yeah, People course. wanting to... Cause you're like prepare my food for me yeah. and bring it or to be kind of looking away as I approach them or whatnot. Because you're, like, you're, <laughs> you're so not like that. I'm, like, like, I'm, I'm no mean? king, I'm no yeah. prince. Like it's just You're super approachable, yeah, so it was, really easy going. So like I can imagine that uh, yeah. shakes you a little bit. I was just not used to people. Like I don't, I try to create a level playing field for everyone. Yeah, I don't want to consider myself above or below. Yeah. I'm just... I'm here and you're there yeah. and let's chat if we've got something to chat about. It, yeah. So it was weird for me to, I guess, uphold some sort of royal status. Yeah. Um, but it's super important to them. It almost to the point where they'd expect me to, um, to handle myself as as a chief or as a king. Yeah. Um, whereas they're not some common villager might not be on that. They might not have the ability to ever be in that position, sitting yeah. left of the king. So that was something I needed to respect in that. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, for example, um, there was, I think I was slouching at one spot or I had my legs crossed or at one point when I was in the palace in one of these um, council meetings and I was like, hey, sit up straight. Like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a chief now. Like, I'm yeah. going to do chief shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little adjustments, but just respecting that part of my culture yeah. and respecting that that's how things operate over there and just trying to, yeah, get comfortable and, and know what, what um how i feel about it what my role is with it Um, and so plans are to go back this year right yeah so i'll go back for the anniversary of the festival um so that'll be september September. late september this year i'll go back and regardless of the festival or not i think it's something that i want to i feel some sort of obligation to to the people in my village especially um everyone has their cause or their charity that they that they have and i think increasingly that's becoming mine so i was like being in Ghana and Africa alone was a huge, huge perspective changer for me yeah. in terms of um, all of the amazing luxuries and opportunities we're afforded here yeah. that just simply don't exist over there. Yeah. Um, 
So I would like to go back and explore my African culture um, and give back as much as I can mm. to those that um. Although I think it's in, amazing within that circle within the village. So I think it's amazing for you mentally and just spiritually as well. Like mm. I feel like you come back just fucking appreciative, right? So hard not to be, man. So hard not to be when you've got when I'm sitting in in a, a car that's being driven around with people bowing down to my auntie in the front seat as the king. And at the same time, you've got a poor local guy with no legs, rolling around on a skateboard, reaching up, asking for money, and he has no way out. That's, that's, he has to do that or he doesn't survive because he hasn't got the doll. He, hasn't got, he can't line yeah. up at Centrelink and get his, his 150 bucks a week or whatever, yeah. whatever you get. Like he, he has to do that. And yeah. there's so many, like, I kind of, I knew in, in theory, the whole practice of gratitude and being grateful for what we have and using that to kind of propel positive thoughts and being yeah. in good spirits, being we've got so much here, be grateful for it. I knew that in theory and I used to apply that, but having the, the perspective of seeing people in real struggle and really yeah. suffering, um, yeah, really just allowed me to, to grab onto that and that be a tangible thing that I try to hold on to now yeah. knowing that we have it so fucking good here yeah. and that the bullshit and the nonsense that we concern ourselves with whether professionally it's a quote that gets rejected or a, a treatment that I put forward that that um doesn't end up going forward or yeah. getting cut off at the roundabout going into Woolies like things that used to get you riled up or used to to make you feel some sort of way it seems so silly, so silly yeah. and nonsensical to worry about those things when, like I said, there's a guy who has to roll around on a skateboard, he has no legs, and relying on the charity of others for him to survive. Yeah. It just, it seems crazy that we worry about the nonsense that we do here. 100%. So, big perspective changer for me, man. Big perspective changer. Definitely. I think I caught up with you just after you'd been home for a week, um, and you sort of showed me some photos, and I'd seen some stuff on your social... And one thing that I really like to see is it looks like you created some good relationships there, like mm -hmm. some good mates and mm -hmm. that you sort of hung around with and almost done stuff like you do at home, but sort of explored and adventured. And what was that like going out and experiencing the the country and the area? Yep. Um, how different is it to here? What sort of stuff do you get up to? So we were staying, <coughs> I um, was staying in a town called Winnebah, which is probably about 45 minutes from our village, but it's quite, it's a, it has a university, um, so that people's perceptions of Africa might be shanty towns and mud huts and lions and giraffes roaming around, much like people might think kangaroos roam the streets in Australia. Yeah. But it's not the case everywhere, um, whereas my village is um, smaller and people don't have a lot to work with. Um, the town, a little bit removed from my village, had a university, um, it had um, relative shops, a lot of services um, that you could kind of um, go to, buy things from, yeah. but it's, it's difficult to explain. There's no Woolies, there's no, um, like, there's no big establishments, there's no McDonald's, <coughs> there's no things like this. But yeah, so one of a, a family friend of ours who was kind of, I guess um, my little right hand is a younger guy by the name of Gideon. Um, I experienced a lot of my travel with him. Yeah. At the start, I was kind of like, hey, I want to do this. I want to be a nomad, do my own thing, experience it for myself. Um, but quickly they kind of, um, like my family said, hey, like take him along with you. It'll make it easier for you um, having a local guy with you. Yeah. I soon found that as I started to venture out, we did a bit of a, a week-long trip along the East Coast up towards Togo. Um, I found out that me and him were as much rookies on this travel <laughs> as each other, whereas yeah. we started to venture into different places where there's, there's different tribes that speak different dialects, so neither yeah. him or me could understand. Um, funnily enough, he hadn't actually experienced a lot of the places where I was going, so yeah. we were kind of experiencing these parts of Ghana, his home country, that he'd never seen before either. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a really beautiful thing to have him with me, but us to equally be like, holy shit, like, 
this is crazy. We, yeah. we did, I think, a four or five hour trek to this base of this waterfall um, up towards the eastern border of Ghana. And um, he was just as excited as me because he yeah. hadn't had the opportunity to do that for himself ever. Yeah. Um, financially, it wouldn't have made sense for them to be able to fork out the money for the travel, the food, accommodation. So yeah. him coming along with me was an awesome experience for him yeah, and course. me alike. Um, so Ghana has, being on the coast, it has um, beaches and a lot of coastal aspects. Yeah. Um, a large fishing economy. Um, the town I was from had a university, which I'd go and play basketball in most days. I'd go to this small gym, um, which was very like, um, I guess, your bare minimums type gym. Yeah. So I think for the seats, it might have been an old iron seat that was like recycled metal for one yeah, of the, the okay. seats that you'd use instead of this plush like seat you might find at the gym here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some welded together bars for a bench press. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, so the gym was similar to like, was like that. Um, but then I found myself, there's a lot of markets. That was some cool things that I did. Yeah. Um, and then I went on this trip up towards the coast where it gets lush, green, rainforesty. Yeah. Um, where I did a few hikes and yeah, got to see a different part of Ghana there. That's cool. Um, see some wildlife, there's some monkeys. Um, there are game reserves, but it's not the part of Africa where you have um, lions and um, and rhinoceros and yeah. stuff like that. That's not Ghana. Ghana's um, yeah, it ha- it has different wildlife. Yeah. So monkeys. Some areas have crocodiles. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Sounds like a really really cool experience. Um, going back to the camera or the cameras. One thing I didn't tell you I was going to talk about this. The cameras? No, I didn't tell you I was going to talk about this. I'm springing this on you. But <laughs> as, as much as you get behind the lens, you're quite often in front of it. You do a bit of modelling oh, yeah. and that sort of stuff as well. <laughs> Where does all that sort of stuff come about for you? Like, obviously, you've got a unique look with the dreads and the tattoos. And mm. that's marketable in some way, shape or form. How does all that come about? And you seem to have some consistency with the brands you work with, which is what I notice. Yeah. Um... So I've been modeling longer than I've been um, filming, to be honest, but I guess I've never taken it too seriously. It's never been a passion of mine that I'm trying to pursue a career as a model. Um, But I was just lucky enough that when I was much younger, I did um, a photo shoot on a whim for a friend of mine that needed a dark skinned model. Um, Probably wouldn't have flown around so well now in terms of cultural appropriation, but I was um, I played a Native American Indian. I'm African, I have no Indian in me, but I did this photo shoot where I was horseback with a large like feather headdress and yeah. the photos turned out really awesome. Um, a friend of mine ended up actually passing it on to the agency that I'm now signed with. Um, she passed on the photos to the agency, unbeknownst to me, and they got in contact and said, hey, um, like uh, you've got a really cool look, we'd love to represent you. Yeah. I was like, how much does it cost and what do I need to do? said, it doesn't cost anything. Um, we take X amount percentage of jobs that we book you and we send you to, to gigs to get paid. I said, all right, if you want to pay me for my face and I don't really need to do anything, then <laughs> I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the last five plus years, I've got to do some really cool jobs with some really cool brands yeah. um, that reach out to me and through my agency, of course, um, mm reach out to me and, and want to shoot so yeah i've got to do some cool modeling stuff and it's it's um yeah something that i guess i enjoy doing yeah. it breaks up the type of work i'm doing which is film basically yeah um and yeah just another aspect of is it doing cool things that make me happy is it the reason i bring it up because i think does it feel funny because you're so comfortable directing a set or being behind the camera that I know a lot of the stuff you do is more still imagery with your modeling. Yeah. Um, but are you ever kind of looking at people like what's going on over there? Like in terms of if I'm yeah, looking like, at the video guys, like why wouldn't you shoot it this way? Or like, no, Hey, have you ever thought about shooting that shot? Or do you have to sort of pull yourself back and just be like, I'm here to do my bit. Yeah. Just run with it. No, I definitely stay in my lane. Um, but some of the productions that I've been lucky enough to be on as a model yeah. or the commercials, even if it's in the video space, so some TV commercials, they're big, they're big business. So I'm almost yeah. like 
fortunate enough to look at the gear they're using, yeah. seeing how they're doing things. I'll find myself, if anything, I'm not giving advice or, or putting in my two cents. Yeah. I'm asking them what they're doing or what yeah, they're okay, using cool. or how they achieve it. So I'm just like, I get to be here and get paid for you guys to film me. But I'm also getting the work like experience of being on a large right? set and seeing how, yeah, and, cool. and I get to learn myself. So I'll, um, in, in the breaks that I'm not in front of the lens modeling, I'll be behind just trying yeah. to get some knowledge about how these big, big businesses and big productions operate. So it's been so good for me and having a modeling background has actually helped me with my filming because yeah. I know different directing styles and I know different ways that um, sets operate from being a model on set. So yeah, yeah it's, it's gone hand in hand, believe it or not. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a cool little dynamic to be Sweet. in front of the lens and behind the lens. So, so Quickly before we finish yeah. up, bit of art on the arms and I know you've got plans for the future. What do you like about that sort of space and showing off certain work. I know for you it's more so the art artistic side mm. behind it. Being tattoos. Yeah. 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 I don't know, man. I've just kind of always, always loved tattoos. I guess having a hip hop, um, hip hop and rap background when I was younger, super into the nineties yeah. styles of hip hop. It just was super cool pop culture. Um, yeah. And a lot of the artists and, and people that I'd look up to creatively were tatted up. Yeah. Um, so I jumped into tattoos. I held off for quite a while until I was probably about 18 or 19, which still is quite young to get tattoos. Um, I held off. I think I got a little, little bit of script on my ribs. Yeah. Um, when I was in America at 18, I got some script in my ribs and a little piece on my hip. Um, but yeah, I just held off because I thought, oh, if I get, start getting tattooed, I, I might not get some modeling stuff. And yeah. Just fear-based complex where I thought I'm not going to do something because I'm scared mm. of something happening. And then once I dived in and, and um, got a larger piece on my arm, I'm, fuck it. Let's just start going in. Um, I feel like everyone starts with script, right? I started with script. Safe bet. It's safe bet. Safe yeah. bet. Some little... Um, I feel like it's also... Like all of mine like have real meaning, mm. like really thought out. Um, and my first one was like a message to my family, but I feel like it's almost that... I was actually the last person in my family. So, like, my mum, then my dad, then my sister all beat me to it. Like, right. So, I was the last one. Now, I've got the most. But yeah. um, it's kind of like, I feel like the script is almost like the way you get it around your family. It's like that introduction <laughs> to your family that, like, it's a hey, safe, I'm going to draw on the yeah. body here. Like, and many people, mine was, I had a pretty open, like, my mum was super open and free. She's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, she yeah. doesn't. She may or may not like them. I'm not yeah. really sure, but she'll never really tell me what I can and can't do around my body and my choices. Yeah. Um, but it's almost a safe step in to be like, yeah, is, yeah. I've got a little script. It, yeah. Or if you get like your mum's name or something, be like, yeah. you can't hate it. Cause, yeah, exactly. Because I love you. It's <laughs> it's got like, your I keep telling Adam Pop, I'm going to get their faces on my arm. Yeah. They're like, uh, I love the thought, but, yeah. um, but no, yeah. So I've got a little bit of work and I don't know, I kind of enjoy getting it. Somewhat therapeutic, yeah. Um, I like the look of it. Um, I want to have like a quite a bit of coverage, um, and yeah, I kind of I I feel like if you haven't got a tattoo that, not necessarily regret, but a bad tattoo, then you probably haven't got enough tattoos. So there's tattoos where I'm like, um, fuck, I probably wouldn't have got that now. But at the time, it was the coolest thing ever. That's exactly what I wanted. So that's what I run with. Um, Yeah. But yeah, um, I have plans to fill up quite a fair bit over the next few years. I just like the look of it. Um, some of them have meaning, some of them don't. Um, and yeah, bang out my chest this year. Finish off my back, hopefully next year. Yeah. Arms are done. Um, see what happens. I'll probably steer clear of my face. I'm not too sure. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> if I feel pulled to it, might end up with a face tat. We'll see. Yeah, nice. Um, 2020, what's the year... I know we spoke, we're speaking about business and all that sort of stuff, but aside from that, like you personally, what's 2020 mean and where do you see this year going for you and, and what are your hopes for it? Um, 2020, as crazy as it's already been, um, not, in, not so much just for me, but like as a world, there's so much crazy shit happening. I don't really know <laughs> what 2020 looks like and I'm, I'm honestly working on... I guess staying more present and 
just yeah. kind of unapologi- unapologetically doing things that make me happy, mm. that fill my cup. Um, so yeah, 2020 is a step-by-step process for me where I make decisions based on that metric, yeah. yeah. Is it going to make me happy and is it going to serve me um, positively? Whether it's good conversation and sitting down with awesome guys like you or whether it's taking on a project that I'm really um, drawn to. Yeah, I just want to kind of put one foot in front of the other and, and try to just promote the quality of life that I have um, each step of the way, knowing that we have so much here and there's so much that even this small little place of Wollongong has to offer. 100%. That, um, yeah, I just want to, to make the most of it and, and keep a solid perspective of um, gratitude along the way. A bit of a wishy-washy answer, but that's the no, truth. I just I feel it. trying to do things that make me, make me happy. Too good. Yeah. Where do the people find you on social? So, personally, it's at Joe Plum. Yeah, I think it's at Joe Plum underscore, personally. Yeah. And Soho, um, where will they find the business? And yeah, so the business is Soho Creative. So, at Soho.cr. So, S-O-H-O dot C-R. Too good. Get around it, guys. Like I said, really good guy. Um, as exciting as life is for Joe, like I said at the start, I love that every time we chat up, and, and just meet up and talk. I feel like the conversation's powerful, leads me in the right direction, motivates me going on from that chat to, to have a great day or a great week. So thanks so much for being here, brother. No worries, bro. And I you appreciate too. it. I'm proud of you too, man. Like, obviously you're hosting this, but to venture out and to be doing the things that you're doing, yeah. I always speak about, like it's no, it's, no, um, it's no surprise, the output that you put in, the output that you put in, but like the level of output that you yeah. have um, puts you in some really cool spaces and you've had a lot it's of success funny, yourself. So um, good on you, man, for, for like having a chase, crack and Chase happiness and good things happen. So yeah, it's um, hopefully a big year. So thank you guys so much for watching. Um, we're about to take off and watch John Jones, the GOAT, Let's go. um, fight Dominic Reyes. So we're stoked. We're looking forward to getting out here and having a bit of a feed um, with a few mates. But... Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Whether you're watching this on Spotify, podcast app, YouTube, Facebook or Insta, we really appreciate your feedback and want to make sure that you're continually engaged and watching and loving the podcast. Um, Get around the YouTube channel because there's going to be some cool shit dropping there soon. Um, Love you guys. Thanks for watching and we'll see you at the next one.